Hi, I'm Claudia Rupnik, the news editor at the Queen's Journal. This is How to Be a Student, the podcast where guests from around the Queen's community read back some of our favorite postscripts from over the years. In today's episode, we'll hear Coach Dan Valley read former Gale rugby player Nadia Popov's story, Mental Health Matters, Every Day of the Year, which was first published on February 2nd, 2018. Dan Valley is the head coach of women's rugby at Queen's. He was selected as Coach of the Year by Ontario University Athletics in 2019. Mental Health Matters Every Day of the Year. Gail's Rugby Star comments on her struggle with mental health by Nadia Popov. It was the most important game of our season, the OUA semifinal. Every season, we set our sights on making it to the U Sports National Championship. And every year, we have the potential. But in order to get there, we had to win a critical game against the McMaster Marauders, a formidable force in the OUA. Having lost to them in regular season play, the odds were against us, but we were determined to outwork our longtime rivals. Before the match, the atmosphere in the team room was intense. When I looked around at my teammates, I reflected on what could have been my last chance to make a national championship. I knew we were ready. We had just the right balance of pregame dance battles and a fierce focus that always produces our best performances. We came out flying. Every hit, every ruck, every run was on point. Our unity was unbreakable, with every player executing their role with unmatched heart. I had the game of my life, scoring two tries to secure our ticket to Nationals. When the final whistle blew, the score read 2010 for Queens. Everyone was cheering and crying and bursting with excitement, but I felt nothing. In a moment where I would normally be overflowing with emotion and embarrassingly drowning in a puddle of happy tears, I was numb. This is the most frustrating part about living with a mood disorder like depression. Anhedonia is a fancy word for the inability to feel pleasure, even when doing the things you love. Rather inconveniently, these familiar symptoms of depression resurfaced at the outset of this season's OUA playoffs. I had previously been diagnosed with major depressive disorder while centralized with the Canadian national team, but this was the first major depressive episode I experienced since my return to Queens in 2016. I'd like to think I've gotten pretty good at warding off the darkness, which at one point consumed me. But this was a not-so-gentle reminder that mental illness can strike even when we do everything right. At the time, I was on top of my classes and feeling incredibly engaged in, in what I was learning. I got to spend every night playing the sport I love with my best friends, who I love more than anything else in the world. I was taking care of my mental well-being through mindfulness and self-care, listening to what my body and my mind were telling me. I was happy, until I really wasn't. Luckily, this time I was prepared. I knew what I needed to get through the fog and back to feeling like myself again. After returning from the game against McMaster, I booked an appointment with the varsity sports specialist at Queen's Athletic Therapy. I knew my visit to the doctor wouldn't make my depression magically disappear before the OUA final, but it was still important to check in to talk about how I was managing my symptoms so I could continue to perform both on and off the pitch in the meantime. Based on past experiences, I knew the only cure for my low state was self-love, patience, and time. But there were also tangible steps to cope with my physical symptoms, adequate sleep to combat my exhaustion, eating even when my appetite was lost. Most importantly, I let people around me know I wasn't feeling great, and they made sure to check in and lift me up when I needed an extra hand. Three weeks after that Friday night win against McMaster, we were on a bus from the Calgary airport to Lethbridge, Alberta, for the U Sports National Championships. While the rest of the team was silent, Sadie Stevenson and Michaela Leanne harmonized into an impromptu performance of Hallelujah. It was beautiful. In that moment, I felt pure joy. Staring out the window at the Rocky Mountains, surrounded by my rugby family, the fog of my depression lifted. That week was a wild, snowy ride, but I wouldn't have had it any other way. 
playing ankle deep in ice and snow alongside the people I love representing the school we love. I was happy. I felt like myself again, able to fully feel the beautiful joy and sorrow of playing what could be my last game as a Gale with my fellow graduating teammates. It was an experience that will stay in my heart and soul forever. Mental illness doesn't care who you are or what important things you have to do. It can happen at any time to anyone. The more we learn about ourselves and each other, the greater our ability to persevere through mental health challenges when they arise, no matter how dark things may feel. With the right support, patience, and self-love, it does get better. Mental health matters every day of the year. So be kind, take care of yourselves, and take care. That was Dan Valley reading former Gale rugby player Nadia Popov's story, Mental Health Matters Every Day of the Year. For this episode, Coach Valley and I also spoke about the role of mental health in sport, particularly during a year when the pandemic has disrupted the season. So, you were Nadia Popov's coach at the time this story was written, and that means you were kind of involved behind the scenes. Can you talk more about that experience? Yes, absolutely. I, I think Nadia's a pretty incredible person, and... I, I'm certainly very grateful in, in looking back on the time that I had the opportunity to coach Nadia. I, I'm certainly very grateful because I've, I've learned a lot about just a lot about how to how to manage these situations and and how to best support uh, how to best support athletes that, that might be struggling. And, and I think the one thing that stood out to me the most about Nadia was her openness to talk about her challenges with mental health was uh, she was always as you may or may not know a huge advocate for for mental health and, and maintenance and so that was always really nice to know that you could always have a conversation with with Nadia but what struck me every time we talked was just how aware she was about where she was on the continuum of mental health and, and mental illness and, and where she was at any any given moment whether she she was feeling awesome or whether she was in the midst of a challenging patch, she was always just so plugged in to, to how she was feeling. And in that same breath had an awareness of sort of the, the tools and the strategies that, that she would need to employ either to keep herself in that really awesome state or help her get to the other side of a, of a challenging period. And, and, and I think that comes through in the article, right? It, it is she, she could identify exactly where she was uh, and how she was feeling and, and knew Okay, this is how I'm feeling, and, and so this is how I need to how I need to go about that. And I think the really important thing for I don't think that happens by accident. I think while some people might be more slightly plugged into their own state of, of mental wellness, the other thing that, that always stood out to me in our dealings was just uh, she was so conversation, so passionate about the conversation and and its importance, and and in being so passionate about it, she was always an amazing support for her teammates and and. I, I'd be curious to know the number of teas or coffees that she grabbed with with teammates who were who were having a hard time and, and just needed to chat to someone. Yeah, that was my big takeaway from from my opportunity to work with Nads. Yeah, and absolutely. I think, like you said, when you read this story, you can really tell that she is an advocate. Um, but it is an experience shared by many athletes at Queens and outside of Queens. Can you tell me more about how mental health plays out in the environment of competitive sport? Sure, and and especially in this setting because it is it is the environment that is competitive sport, but it's also coupled with the academic pressures and the social pressures, and and so it's it's not just sport in isolation. It is this amalgamation of all of these these various parts of everybody's lives, and and at the end of the day, people are here to get a degree. Yeah, there's a 
lot of pressure. There's we ask a lot. Uh, our standards are, are very high as far as what we want to achieve off the field and on the field, and and especially in our our season, our postseason always conveniently syncs up with with midterm season in that fall term, and so there is some some work that we try and do to be as proactive as possible in. in looking at your calendar and, and where we can prevent these, these sort of high stress moments with, with a little bit of, of planning and time management. We certainly try and preach that as best as possible. And then there is also the, the importance of self-care and part of it is recognizing, recognizing when you're feeling anxious and, or when, when you're starting to feel that, that, that stress or those pressures build is, is being able to recognize it and help navigate and, and develop strategies that, that everyone can apply and, and that may not be the same strategy applied across everybody on a roster but it, it's it's sort of helping people find okay what is your thing when when you get to unplug or let's say you didn't have practice today what what's the thing that you would do and to, to sort of help recharge the batteries and, and there have been times over the years where you, you can just tell by talking with with an athlete before practice and it's just like hey I, I think the best thing to do today is it is maybe to just shut her down go home and find that that thing that you do that recharges you, I think that might be a better a better use of this this ninety minutes. And it's not easy. The ask that is on these student athletes is not an easy one. You say that there there is a big ask on these athletes, both inside the world of athletics and then outside, because they are all students trying to get degrees. And now this year looks different for university athletes with the pandemic. Um, as a coach, how do you see COVID nineteen affecting athletes at Queens? It's a big challenge. It, it's when we're talking about student athletes. Typically, they've spent years, decades refining their craft, and there's an identity that that comes with that. And like everybody throughout COVID nineteen, there, there's been a lot of change and, and a lot of challenges that come with it. But that that's no different with that with our, our student athlete population. So there's these things that they love to do, uh, training with their, their teammates and their friends and going to the gym every day. And right now we'd be, be in the midst of, of week three of our season. And, and so to have that taken away for, for reasons beyond your control, it's it's a challenge, isn't it? And, and so I think, I think the university's done a, a great job with managing our return to campus. And we've got uh, we've got the opportunity to to get back to our training coming up in a couple of weeks. But if I'm being totally honest with you, the rugby, when we are able to step back on pitch, the, the rugby is, is quite secondary. It will just be a, a really nice opportunity. Priority number one in this instance is helping student-athletes manage their health and their well-being and that connection with their, their teammates that uh, that they spend so many hours with in a normal year. That to me is is the priority as we get ready to step back into a training environment and just that opportunity to to make sure that everyone really is doing okay. We spend a lot of time looking at the, what, what we can't do, and and one of the things we've tried to do is is look at it from the other side. Okay, yes, it's challenging. Yes, we we would love to be doing things a little bit differently than we have to right now. But at the end of the day, this is the reality of our situation, isn't it? One of those things that we've tried to do is look at where some of those other endeavors, some of those other areas of interest that you've always had a, had a bit of an interest in or you've always thought, hey, if, if I didn't have this this massive rugby commitment, I'd really get stuck into X, Y, or Z. And, and so we've we've tried to look at things from that perspective and say, well, here, here's our opportunity. We're, we're not, we're not going to be training 24-7 for rugby. So where are those things that you find really neat and really cool? And, and, and here's a really 
a really nice opportunity to get stuck into those things. That to me is another really important way to help manage the overall health and wellness is, is having having these other interests. And, and so while I'd love to be getting on a bus to go down to Guelph or Hamilton or London this coming weekend, we're not. So let's let's take advantage of the opportunities that we do have. And so with that in mind, what resources are available to athletes who are managing mental health or mental illness right now at, at Queen's? I, I'd like to think that we've got a lot of layers of support built into our program. The department is, is very supportive of, of student-athlete mental health and, and mental wellness. And we've got a, a mental health coach, Becky Haste, who is wonderful, and she is able to assist our athletes to talk about some more broad strategies uh, around maintaining mental health and mental wellness, but more high-level stuff that, that is applicable to teams. And then she's also uh, available to support individuals that are going through a rough time or not necessarily slipping into a state of depression, but they're not feeling quite right. And then there is the supports that are offered through through student wellness as well. The other big one is the team. As I sort of alluded to in an earlier question, that, that to me is very high on the list of priorities in, in any given year. Um, in this particular setting, that has to be my my primary job here is, is making sure that everybody is knows that, that they're well supported and, and even if it's not a conversation they're comfortable having with me, being able to direct them to to the right places and access the right supports that's uh, that's a huge part of this one. Okay, thank you so much. Now for your headlines. In light of campus-wide calls for social justice reform, the undergraduate trustee is looking to add the definition of racism to the Queen's Student Code of Conduct. Two Queen's profs helped develop the new Canadian 24-hour movement guidelines for adults, which suggest moving more, sitting less, and sleeping well as the foundation of a healthier lifestyle. For features, we reported on Queen's decision to deny employment to international students who were unable to travel to Canada for the fall term because of COVID-19. Thank you for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. We'd also like to thank Queen's alumna Devin Cole for letting us use her new single, July for the Whole Year, which is available for streaming now. When you said you like me best in blue, I saved that very sundress for you. How to Be a Student is a Queen's Journal podcast directed by Claudia Ripnick, produced by Lauren Thomas and Francesca Lim, and executive produced by Rachel Heisinga and Matt Scase.